Welcome to the Friday edition of Transformation Radio. Hi, my name is Dustin Starner. Uh, moving on to phase two. I'd just like to say hey to all the guys down the farm. Keep doing what you're doing down there, fellas. Uh, you're a great group of guys and uh, love all of you. It's just amazing to see what's God, what God's doing in everybody's life down there. and I uh, just had an amazing time. All you new guys that are coming in, just stay strong. It, it'll, it'll pass. It gets a lot better. Your family will be there for you, and everything turns around. Thank you. You felt like you were loved So what went wrong But do you know There's a place where you belong Here in my arms When you feel like you're alone In your sadness And it seems like no
And now we begin to focus on the New Testament, and our reading today will come from the book of First Corinthians, chapter fourteen, verses one through seventeen. We'll see that the ability to prophesy may involve predicting future events, but its main purpose is to communicate God's message to people, providing insight, warning, correction, and encouragement. We'll read about the gift of speaking in tongues or unknown languages. And that was a concern of the Corinthian church because the use of the gift had caused disorder in worship. Speaking in tongues is a legitimate gift of the Holy Spirit, but the Corinthian believers were using it as a sign of spiritual superiority rather than as a means to spiritual unity. Spiritual gifts are beneficial only when they're properly used to help everyone in the church. We should not exercise them only to make ourselves look good or feel good. Paul's words to the Corinthians about tongues and prophecy have much to say to our generation today. Many Christians struggle with the discussion of tongues. Paul would clearly say that no one should put down those Christians who speak in tongues, and those who speak in tongues should not disparage those who do not. Paul makes several points about speaking in tongues. Number one, it's a spiritual gift from God. Number two, it's a desirable gift, even though it isn't a requirement of faith. Number three, it is less important than prophecy and teaching. Believers need unity and love. The enemy is not each other, but the sinful world, Satan, and our selfish, sinful desires. But Paul would have another word for today. He says, "I wish you could all prophesy." Although Paul himself spoke in tongues, he stresses prophecy, preaching that is, because it benefits the whole church. While speaking in tongues primarily benefits the speaker, Paul would encourage us to be so in tune with the Spirit that his messages of comfort, encouragement, and edification would be heard in our congregations today. The message here to us is simply this: make sure your actions are encouraging and edifying. And now let's begin our reading today here in the New Testament, August twenty-first. The New Testament, First Corinthians chapter fourteen, verses one through seventeen. Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit. But it will all be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues, unless someone interprets what you are saying, so that the whole church will be strengthened. Dear brothers and sisters, if I should come to you speaking in an unknown language, how would that help you? But if I bring you a revelation or some special knowledge or prophecy or teaching, that will be helpful. Even lifeless instruments like the flute or the harp must play the notes clearly, or no one will recognize the melody. And if the bugler doesn't sound a clear call. How will the soldiers know they are being called to battle? It's the same for you. If you speak to people in words they don't understand, 
How will they know what you're saying? You might as well be talking into empty space. There are many different languages in the world, and every language has meaning. But if I don't understand a language, I will be a foreigner to someone who speaks it, and the one who speaks it will be a foreigner to me. And the same is true for you. Since you are so eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. So anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what has been said. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I am saying. Well then, what shall I do? I will pray in the spirit, and I will also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the spirit, and I will also sing in words I understand. For if you praise God only in the Spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? How can they join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what you are saying? You will be giving thanks very well, but it won't strengthen the people who hear you. And now we turn to the book of Psalms. Our reading today will come from Psalm 37 verses 12 through 29. You can tell a lot about a person's character by the way he or she handles money. The wicked person steals under the guise of borrowing. The righteous person gives generously to the needy. Wicked people, therefore, focus on themselves, while righteous people look to the welfare of others. We'll read about the person in whom God delights. That's one who follows God, trusts Him, and tries to do His will. God watches over and makes firm every step that person takes. If you'd like to have God direct your way, then seek His advice before you step out. When we see a Christian brother or sister suffering today, we can respond in one of three ways. Number one, we can say, as Job's friends did, that the afflicted person brought this on himself. Or number two, we can say that this is a test to help the person develop more patience and trust in God. Or number three... We can help the person in need. David would approve of only that last option there. Although many governments today have their own programs for helping those in need, this is really no excuse for ignoring the poor and needy within our reach. Psalm 37, verses 12 through 29. The wicked plot against the godly. They snarl at them in defiance. But the Lord just laughs for he sees their day of judgment coming. The wicked draw their swords and string their bows to kill the poor and the oppressed, to slaughter those who do right. But their swords will stab their own hearts, and their bows will be broken. It is better to be godly and have little than to be evil and rich, for the strength of the wicked will be shattered. But the Lord takes care of the godly. Day by day the Lord takes care of the innocent, and they will receive an inheritance that lasts forever. They will not be disgraced in hard times. Even in famine, they will have more than enough. But the wicked will die. The Lord's enemies are like flowers in a field. They will disappear like smoke. The wicked borrow and never repay. But the godly are generous givers. Those the Lord blesses will possess the land. But those he curses will die. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. 
He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. Once I was young, and now I am old. Yet I never have seen the godly abandoned, or their children begging for bread. The godly always give generous loans to others, and their children are a blessing. Turn from evil and do good, and you will live in the land forever. For the Lord loves justice, and He will never abandon the godly. He will keep them safe forever. For the children of the wicked will die. The godly will possess the land, and will live there forever. Proverbs chapter 21, verses 25 and 26. Despite their desires, the lazy will come to ruin, for their hands refuse to work. Some people are always greedy for more, but the godly love to give.
Hi, I'm Brian Herman, uh, third phase. Uh, got blessed this weekend. Got to go to Hope Over Heroin uh, event. It was uh, pretty amazing. Uh, I say this only because uh, a year ago I was uh, strung out on heroin and had no hope. And uh, today or this last weekend, I got to go and uh, talk about. Uh, the hope that I have in Jesus Christ uh, that pulled me out of an addiction, a bondage, uh, a dark, dark place. And uh, for God to use me for this uh, amazing of a thing was uh, a true blessing. And uh, what a wonderful thing it is. Uh, I thank you. Bye. I don't know how people, because I know a lot of you don't read the Bible for yourself. And personally, I don't know how you can pull off following God in our culture, in our world, uh, without this time alone with God. I mean, this is great. You learn from someone else, and you, you can listen to other messages, but there's something so different when you study it for yourself, when you spend that time studying it for you. Be, because the truth is, is, for me, it's the only time when I can't lie I can lie to you. You know, I, I, I very easily can lie to you. I, I, I believe I have the ability to lie to anyone. Okay, I'm, I'm that good. Great quality to have in your pastor. Um, I, I can, it's, it's really not that hard to deceive someone. I can pretend that I'm humble. I know the way to say it and the looks on my face and just the, the right words to make you think that I'm humble or to think that I'm close to God or to, to think whatever you want to think about. I mean, we get pretty good at, at, at communication. Most of us are pretty good at communicating who we want other people to think we are. But then there's that time when you're alone with God and there's no one to lie to. And, and there's one person who right now knows, even as I'm speaking right now, you don't know what goes on in my heart and what thoughts are going on and the intention of my words. Maybe I'm saying it to make myself sound better. Maybe I'm telling you this so you don't think that I'm really thinking. You know what I mean? There, there's all of that going on. You don't know. But then I'm alone with God's word. Then I'm alone and I'm studying the book for myself. And here's God telling me I've got to do something. And here's a God that I can't. He knows not only my words but the intention, the heart. He knows when I'm trying to sound good. Even in my prayers. And, and there's times when we're dumb enough to even try to sound good in our prayers. And try to make it sound like we really love him and want to be with him. When he knows our heart and he's seen us all week and, and saw how we long for all the other things in the world and he's just an afterthought. But we're dumb enough to say, oh God, I've just wanted you and thanks for this. You know, it's the one time when you, you, you have to be real. I, I was asked just yesterday, someone, someone came up to me and said, hey, you know, with all the success and stuff, how do you keep from being just super arrogant. I mean, you're just kind of arrogant. How do you keep from being like just majorly arrogant? And again, I, I just go, man, I don't know how anyone survives without spending time alone with God. If I did not have time with God, I would be so self-centered, so arrogant, so in my own world because I can fool people. And it's this time when I am here just going, okay, well, here's what God says. And I 
I can't think of a time in my lifetime when this lesson was more needed uh, because I just see as I travel, there are just fewer and fewer people that love this book and love the truths in this book. And people instead are looking for new ideas, new thoughts, and they'd rather listen to opinions of other people rather than really looking at, at this book that's been around for thousands of years. These words that have been around for thousands of years that have proven themselves over time, that have changed lives over the centuries, and, and, and yet we try to run to these other things. And, and so Peter says in this passage, he, uh, he, he starts off in, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, he says, therefore, he goes, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. Though you know them and are established in the truth that you have, I think it's right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder. Since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Now, I, I don't know what jumps out to you at, in that passage, but one of the things when I was reading it for the first time, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this going, wow, oh, that's really weird. Peter says, I know that the putting off of my body will be soon as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. Isn't that strange to you that Peter knew that he was going to die soon? And I love, I love the phrasing even, the putting off of this body, because it's not really death. Like, I don't really die, okay? It's just, uh, it's, it's just I'm putting off this body. And Peter says, I know that's going to be soon. How did Peter know? He doesn't really say it doesn't say in, in, in Scripture. Now, it does say in Scripture. This is interesting. I don't know if you ever noticed this. But in uh, John chapter 21, this is after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Remember when Jesus has that encounter with Peter and tells him to feed my sheep. And in, in, in John chapter 21, in verse uh, 18, he says to Peter, Jesus says to the resurrected Christ, says to Peter, Truly I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was going to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. So Jesus told Peter, he goes, look, he goes, remember when you were young? He goes, when you were young, you just kind of did whatever you wanted. You wore what you wanted. You went wherever you wanted. He goes, let me tell you what's going to happen when you get older. You're not going to be free. Someone's actually going to take you and lead you where you don't want to go. And says that Jesus told him this to tell him the type of death he was going to die. He says, someone else is going to stretch out your hands. See, it was an explanation that, Peter, you're going to be crucified. And uh, tradition tells us that Peter was crucified. In fact, tradition tells us that Peter, from what we understand, didn't feel worthy to die in the same way that Jesus died. So he asked his executioners, would you crucify me upside down? 
Jesus told, think about this. Think about the ramifications of this. Jesus told Peter, here's how you're going to die. And then right after he says that, he says, follow me. It goes completely against this nonsense that so many churches teach that, oh, if you follow Jesus, everything's going to go so well in your life, you're going to be so healthy, so wealthy, because that's his plan for you here on this earth. It certainly wasn't his plan for Peter. He says, Peter, man, it was better for you when you were young. You know, you had your freedom to go wherever you want to go. Guess what? For following me, if people are going to actually stretch out your hands, they're going to crucify you. Let me tell you how you're going to die. You're not going to have your freedoms when you're older. But follow me. Understand the message Jesus taught was, look, it's not going to be easy to follow me. In fact, here, Peter, this is how it's going to end for you. But let me tell you, I'm worth it. I'm worth it. Hold on to the end. And so Jesus told Peter, you're going to die. And, and here in 2 Peter, he's explaining, somehow God communicated to Peter that the time's going to be soon. Uh, imagine what you would feel if you knew the time was running out, your life is about to be over, and not only that, but God told you the way you're going to be, be killed is a torturous death. Peter doesn't complain about it. He doesn't say, why me? He just knows, hey, that's, this is just the way it is. But what I want you to notice in this passage is what Peter wants to do with the last few moments of his life. See, because if that were you, what, what, what would you do? If you know, okay, my life's about over, and it's crazy to me how some people answer this question. The things you would do if you knew you only had weeks or months to live, the things you would do, what would those things be? See, see, Peter says, he goes, while I'm alive, while I'm here, he goes, it's right for me to remind you of all these ways you ought to live. He goes, but God's told me that I'm about to die. And so what he says, he goes in verse 15, I'm going to make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. See, Peter says, I'm not going to be here to remind you, hey, this is how you're supposed to live. This is, this is what God said to do. He goes, I want to, I want to set you up. I want to make sure that once I'm gone, you're still following God. You'll be able to recall these things. You'll know what God says, and you'll be able to figure that on your own. It's, uh, it, it's one of those things that really ought to be us as parents. This should be our goal is that when we're gone, our kids know how to follow God on their own. That, uh, that, that you know, I, I said years ago that, that the goal of parenting is to train our kids to be independently dependent on God. That somehow we teach them to be independently dependent on God, that their relationship with God isn't all about us. But, that, but somehow we release them and go, you know you need to depend on God. You understand. You, you don't need me anymore. You've got his word. You've got him. You've got his spirit. Now go. That's the same thing Peter was saying to this church, he, he, to, to, these, to these followers who'd been following him as an, as an apostle, these believers. He's saying, look, you guys, you're scattered everywhere, whatever, you know, but, and I'm going to be gone soon, and I'll keep reminding you of this stuff until it's time to go, but I'm, I'm ready to die now. And, and so I'm going to make every effort to make sure you're okay. See, this is, this is one of the things that concerns me. I mean, I, I know that some of you, I know that some of you, 
you'd be fine if I were gone tomorrow. You'd be like, big deal. You know, you, you've got your time with God. You're like, oh, it was cool having him around, but yeah, I'm not dependent on him. I study this book. I love this book. I love the teachings of this book. It doesn't matter who's up there. As long as they're teaching from this book, I love it, I love it, I love it. I, I just want that. But there's also a contingent here that, man, I hear about it. It's, it's, it's like, well, Francis isn't teaching this week, so I, I don't think I'm going to go. And, and that's... That's, that's very sad, and it's, it's scary to me, because it's, it's like I don't ever want it to be about me. It's got to be about this book, and, and it's so weird how certain people, they will only listen to this book if it's through a certain person for a certain amount of time at the right time of day, where everything's set up just perfectly, and, and there's no sense of, man, I, I know how to study this, man. I read it for myself. Those are the greatest times in my life is when I'm alone and I'm reading this and studying it and praying about it and changing my life over it. See, Peter says, I want to set you up so that after my departure, you at any time, you can recall these things. It, it's not about me. You're not completely dependent on me. I mean, what if you were told you only have a short time? What would you do with that time? Would it be all centered around God and saying, okay, I've got to make sure the people I love can follow God without me being around?
sin de...